All right, family. We have our newest family member, Mike, here. He is a adult probation and parole officer in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, so we're definitely real interested to see how things are in a big city. Um, so we'll go ahead with our standard questions. First question, Mike. Your department, on a scale to one to ten, with one being a social worker and ten being a law enforcement officer, how would you rate your department on the two hat scale? Department probably like a six, solid six. Okay, okay, leaning that way, leaning that. Follow question. Swings. The pendulum swings. Like it always swings. Yes, this is true. In the city, I mean, like it swings. Like sometimes it swings. Like from other previous department, it was much slower swing. This you wake up Monday morning and something happened over the weekend, and it's completely, you know, law enforcement get out there, hit these doors, and then everybody going to jail. And then the next week. It swings back, like, hold on, you know, let's see if we can, you know, motivational interviewing and, and, and you know, cognitive uh, behavioral therapy and stuff like that. So, um, but it, it's it's a fluid thing. It's, it's nothing, nothing stays the same. Like, last week, it was real social worky. And this week, the way the weekend is already starting to look like, it's going to be uh, a switch <laughs> coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's, it's crazy because normally that pendulum swing, it, it, it takes time. Yes, it's usually not like that drastic. But I can understand the big city, you know, based on what's going on, the crimes and things like that. You know, you kind of got to respond back and forth. So let me ask you this then: what on the two hat skill? Where is Mike? So I'm about a, I'm say a seven. Uh, and like I said, that swung too because switching from different departments, um, different agencies kind of really narrow down how far you. I used to be like a 10. Oh, <laughs> I used to well, be man. like, and then we'll, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to, we'll explain that further while I was like a 10 because the, the, the unit I was assigned to, um, that's just how the unit worked. So, like, we have different units, and you, depending on what unit you might be in, um, determines how you address a situation, like you know whether you give those graduated sanctions or it's just a zero tolerance. So, but it's a, it's like what a, unit are you in now? I'm in an anti-violence unit. So that's like our setup right now is regionalized. So they chop up the city. You get west, you get east, and that's how it. That's how it's set up now. Um, it was set up to just either you get north and south, and it was split like that. But we have over well, 400 officers. Wow. So, Dang. yeah, and it's funny because most people think, like, oh, Philly, like, everyone's carrying. No. Only about maybe 5% or 4% of those 400 actually are carrying firearms and going and doing field work. So. Huh. Right, so that leaves us with like our administrative supervision stuff that never go to the field. People call in um, and do like a monitor connect stuff like that. Call in, do the questions, and that's it. Those and are like the low risk people. Real low risk people. That's our that's our low risk. Then we have um, like so my previous in Columbia County, I had we used to do a higher risk assessment, uh, or as uh, in Philly, they actually had their own complete different risk assessment developed by University of Penn. 
Um, and unlike the ORAS, where you can have some officer input, it's all computer driven. Like it's all numbers. You have no input. This person might be, I got a 90 year old lady on my case load for high risk. And it's like, she doesn't belong here. Like, I mean, she can kill me <laughs> in the house and it's just nothing you can do about it. You just supervise them just like for you. So each unit has their own uh, rules, own conditions. So once you assign to a unit, you get the probation conditions and then you get your unit conditions. So if you're assigned to anti-violence, you have to come in more, like you're in, it's kind of like intensive supervision. You come in more, you pop up at your house, your job, um, treatment facilities, uh, it's like a zero tolerance. Like we got a problem with PCP. Oh, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> and then we got a zero, zero tolerance policy with PCP. So if you melt the cup because you got PCP in your system, you go automatically. It's no, no treatment. None of that. It's just straightly because if you dealt with somebody on PCP, which I have, and let me tell you something. Man. I'm, I'm not small. I'm, I'm not small. And let me tell you something. It, it took all the fight. Like it was like, all right, like this is this is gonna be it. Like this is the fight. Um, so that's a zero tolerance. Um, but with my people, like I, when they come in first time, they come from court. Listen, be straight up with me. That's my biggest thing. Like if you got you got the issues, you run into some problems. You had police contact. Call me first because I hate hearing it third party. Exactly. I hate having come over to my desk. Yo, we stopped you. We stopped your dude. He was on the corner doing this and that. When you told me you were supposed to be in treatment, you were supposed to be in your, your, your meetings. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they know what to expect. So they, it's, 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 it's not, it's not a, it's not a bad spot because they know, they already know how. Like they like institutionalized in the street, <laughs> like per se, because it repeat offenders. They repeat, like repeat, repeat. It's like when I was listening to one episode when you talk about. The recidivism rate. I'm like, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a good rate. It's probably I would say about like thirty percent, maybe less. Yeah, than that's, that. what, that's that's usually what the national rate is about thirty percent. Maybe less than that. Um, and it's not even. It's like we have all like bigger city got all these different programs, all these different avenues. It's just the person not wanting to take advantage of it. Like I tell them, I'm like, well, you could have asked the judge, say, I don't want probation, just give me max me out in jail. Like, this is a privilege. Like, come on, take advantage of this. I'm giving you the cheat book on the first day. I'm telling you what you have to do to succeed. Like, it's not that hard. Like, you, come <laughs> in, you come in, if you have a dependency issue, like a, you know, a drug issue, then we can work on that. You know, uh, if you say you're a treatment court officer, so you know, you're not just going cold turkey. I mean, that's just, that's not going to happen. I mean, uh, even the people who are like, oh, you can't be addicted to marijuana. Yeah, you can. <laughs> that's a lie. Yeah, that's a whole can. lie. Yeah, you can like you know you talking about them different strands and all. Yes, yeah, that's see that right there. That's your yeah. You got a preference like you. So it's, it's okay. You got to admit it like you know. But it's it's like my previous department versus Philly, uh, night and day, night and day. So what made you want to get into this field of work in the first place? So I got a part time job. Started out as a part time job in college at a prison. And it was like any prison. I mean, it was it wasn't for me. I didn't like to. I didn't, I didn't like to be locked in. It was. It was just. It was making good money. So college student making good money. I'm like, sign me up. Like, um, and then I. When you I was, say good money, what is good money? So you're making twenty dollars an hour for Central PA. Oh, so, for a college kid, okay. 
So yeah, twenty dollars money. That's good money. PA. So Central PA, like I'm a example. So like the rent in Philadelphia for like a one bedroom is probably like twelve hundred dollars. For a one bedroom in Central PA, you probably paying like four fifty, five hundred bucks. Dang. <laughs> so twenty dollars an hour goes along. You you like okay, you making some money like right. yeah. So that, that goes a long way. The cost of living was much cheaper. Um, so I was like, all right, cool. And I actually ended up starting to like it. So I, I was doing classes inside, like teaching reentry classes inside of there. Um, and the inmates always come to me like, oh, my PO this, my PO that. Uh, my PO just put me in here. They'll never come see me. So I'm like, hmm. All right. I had a year left till I graduated. Uh, my uh, degree in criminal justice and I'm like maybe I should look into the PO work so I was already looking to go back to home where I'm from Philly and they came in and was like hey we got a spot open you want to transfer I'm like yeah why not <laughs> and that's how I segued over to the probation and like really had no interest in it and I was just like I'm, I'm gonna go be a cop and call it a day like or go to the feds and you know do my 30 and be good and be done and then they were like, well, come on over here and see how you like it. And I ended up actually liking the parole, probation and parole up here. Um, it's like I said, it's much, much different. So we, it's, they, they had canine officers. You and I had a canine up here. They had canine officers. What? They, we night work, um, work with the SWAT team, uh, AG's office, like different drug uh bus and all that stuff like that um it, it was a full serve like the whole gambit and then you had the other side like uh treatment court treatment court i started out in treatment court did a couple months in treatment court i like treatment court a lot um because all the people that i knew from inside the prison it was like oh i'm on the outside now so i could help you on the outside of the prison now so it was like they would they felt real comfortable coming to me like yo mike I got this issue, this and that. And so it was really a good connection because I was like, I graduated when they when they got released. I like I moved out with them, too. So they was like, you know, it was a much easier uh, for them coming to me um, with an issue or if they relapsed and then going to another officer. So like treatment court was was definitely a good rewarding um, spot. And then I I got voluntold that I was moving caseloads to sex offenders and high and intensive. And I was like, right <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of volunteering going on in probation that even happened in my office it's like yeah you're going over here now <laughs> hey such and such got promoted or they left so you're going to take over their caseload i'm like the whole like oh uh, yeah <laughs> the whole the whole thing like and sex offenders 100 percent not for me 100 percent. i the training is phenomenal like you fly around the country, go to the different conventions and all that training is phenomenal. Um, but I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't break, I couldn't do it. It's just something I can't even explain it. It's just something inside of me. It's like, no, I, I feel you. I, I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't do it myself. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, just talking to somebody and they just having no remorse for the things that they've done to a juvenile or anybody. And just, just matter of fact, like, yeah, I did it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, no, nah, I can't, I can't. <laughs> so aside from sex offender caseload and drug treatment court, and then the antiviolence, what other units have you been in? So I had, I've had a general caseload. Um, 
I've really been high risk. Mental health. I had mental health. I like mental health. Mental health is you don't really know what you're getting. Half the time. <laughs> a lot of the people that should be on mental health case or aren't on mental health case load, and the people that are on mental health case load might not be diagnosed properly, but it was that was more like a, I look at mental health as high risk as well because they're the un, most unpredictable. Like, I mean, it was never, a, I couldn't say I walked into work and it was the same thing every day. <laughs> it's like such a cliche thing, but it's really, I could go from being in office, being in court to doing a warrant in the same day in a suit. Like, <laughs> in my, my, in my, my court attire, in my court uh, uniform. So, <laughs> I mean, but I like it was, it was real high pace. It was like you, you were in the community, you're talking with offenders, treatment places, so um, different um, organizations like that uh, had like different housing or drug treatment programs. So you were really making a connection with the, in the community because you were out there every day. But uh, I was just like, you know, mental health definitely it's strikey for you, um, <laughs> take you for a loop sometime. So out of all of those, which one did you like the best? And don't say antiviolence just because you're in it right now. I'm not going to lie. I think it had to be mental health. Um, okay. It was definitely mental health. And then the second would be drug treatment court. Um, but an antiviolence is kind of, that kind of incorporates all of them, really. I mean, because I have people in my caseload that have substance abuse issues. That's really, that's, you know, kind of controls how they act in society. And then I have people who really have can't control how they act in society because of the mental health issues. Um, so like any violence is like a blanket for it. Like I might have, I want to think I do not have sex offenders under any violence. Um, I have mental health. I have the high risk. Um, I feel like you got a lot of people with guns on probation or shootings, aggravated assaults on probation, which I can't believe is a thing but you know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know i mean just i'm just last week we had a guy that was picked up a couple months back um and released on bail um, well his bail was reduced and he was released on bail for a firearm and uh, i believe a simple assault not an aggravated assault simple assault and he got out and within a month he killed the uh, Allegedly, he killed um, one a Temple student, um, and he was on probation. And they were like, "Oh, he's no risk, you know." And he was actually super being supervised on our lower risk. So uh, it was some kind of discrepancies. Like that's why I say that that pendulum swing it swings because they're like, "Oh, why was this done? Why was it now? Do that this week?" And then it comes back to the other side. Like, all right, maybe we should just lock him up, you know. But and in in Philly they have uh five crimes that are guaranteed you're you commit them, you're going to you're getting locked up, warrants being issued, um like murder, obviously, any shootings, uh strangulation, rape, and forget the fifth one right now. My god. Traffic trafficking? No, drug. You'd be surprised. Drugs. You get a PWID, uh, possession with the, with intent to deliver, and no warrant to be lodged. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, drugs are just a part of Philly. Just you know, it is there. <laughs> it's just in the air. Yeah, it's like Pens- the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is. They do everything 
different. Philly does it like the, Philly legit is in the middle of like is, is Pennsylvania attached to Pennsylvania, but they might as well not be. They might as well be their own state because they do things completely different than the other sixty-seven whatever counties in the state do it. So, but yeah, you get picked up with however much weed, cocaine, methamphetamine. Oh no, we just you know email his judge and schedule him a uh, gag nine on the street. Okay. Yeah, that that is crazy thing about uh, PA because when I worked in Westmoreland County, which is right below Pittsburgh, we would see a lot of like Pittsburgh would kind of be like Philly, where they would kind of be a little more softer on certain kind of crimes. But with Westmoreland County, because it's more rural, more conservative, they would be a lot harder. So we would have a lot of um, criminals that were like come from Pittsburgh, where they're used to. Oh, if I get cold, if you know X Y Z. You know, mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, get a promise to appear or whatever. But they come down to Westmoreland and they get caught, you know, with PWID. And, you know, they're sitting in jail like, wait, $100,000? What? Why? This is not Pittsburgh. <laughs> don't come down. They'd be like, don't come down here with that foolishness. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, be, they, they, they can't understand it. Like, you know, keep that up there. But you come down here, it's a totally different animal. They will hold you. Exactly. And... With the COVID going on right now, um, they kind of really didn't want to put anybody else in unless they had to go in right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of that going around. Yeah. So how, how's that? How's that working out for the crime rate? Last year, I think we ended with five hundred and three murders, homicides for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, carjackings are up. Robberies yeah. are up. Home invasions yeah. are up. Um, assaults are up. A lot of domestic violence. Uh, yeah, stuck in the house with the old lady. Can't yes. go outside. Yes, and she's pushing all the buttons. Yeah, a lot of domestic issues going on. Um, hopefully this ends soon, so they can kind of go back to business as usual. But I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> are, are the uh, dope boys on the corner with the Rona going around? Yep, with the mask on. With the mask, with the mask. <laughs> all you see is the blue mask. Oh. Your face. It just gives them a reason to wear a mask now. See a lot of them. See out here where I'm at, there are uh, the gamers just wear. They just wear their um their colors on their face. Just my red bandana on my face. It's a mask. <laughs> it's the face covering. Call it a day, like right. You sit on the corner with your with your all blooded out. It just <laughs> but he got his mask on. For a while, maybe back in March, when this first like kind of blew up, I think like a two week period where like crime was kind of down. People were like, "Oh my god, if I go outside, I'm like, I'm a, you know, melt." Like so, it was kind of <laughs> it was kind of cool. And then when they start going back outside, like, man, this is all right. This ain't nothing. You know, I'm cool. It started. It started. It, the opportunity was there because people uh, were afraid of the you know, pandemic and like carjackings have been on a high. Like, I mean, I don't know what it like, what it, what it is with it, but they've been on a ro- arm carjack. I mean, people be stopped at a light and then we had the, the riots a couple months back. So that was just even uh, more of a, a incentive for people just to go out and do whatever they wanted and not have no repercussions for it. So, you know, it was interesting. Did you guys have a um a role in any of the anti-protest, anti-riot stuff that happened? 
Mm-hmm. Did you guys have? Did you guys you have you guys out there? No. So um, we did not have to. Um, we had, our sheriff department had like had our building and the courthouse is pretty much on lock, so we didn't really have to um, and do any have had to respond for any assistance. So that was cool. I was just at home watching TV, <laughs> watching it on TV. <laughs> that was cool for me, and you know. Um, now, if I was up, this happened in Central PA, best believe I'd have had to have been like, I would have had to be out there in a full riot gear, just like the police. Like, so, but the thing is, they paid us out there. So, paid us, like, you know, had the hazardous pay and all that stuff out there. It's Philly, eh. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to add this to your job description, but not going right. to add the funds. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we didn't have to handle deal with none of that, so that was the, that was a good part. They was like they were blowing up ATMs, and it was it was it was bad. It was like a three day three day period out here. It was bad. Like you nine one one, you call nine one one. He wasn't no one was responding to you. You was on your own. Like <laughs> so, I hope you had something in this case somebody tried to kick your door and to protect yourself because it was nobody call coming when you called nine one one. Oh my god. That's crazy. When people seen that, that's how easy it was. It started inciting more people. So people from outside of Philly, the different counties around Philly were coming in just having a ball because they know it was going, no police response was going to. Ain't no one going to stop you. No one's going to stop you. Like it it, it got so bad um, that a police car would be lights and sirens in like a parking lot or in a plaza and people would be running around the car like it wasn't even there. No respect at all. <laughs> I was just like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe in 2020 this is this is how things get. Like, you know, um, but and that kind of, I, I believe the, the, the pandemic contributed to the, the crime rate going up. I mean, it had, it had to. I mean, you right. got a lot of people that lost jobs. People are in the house, pent up. Lost you know I mean? businesses closed, people losing like their family business for been the years they don't had it for years and stuff like that. You know, it was it was, it was a lot of hardships going on. So it, it, it had to be some correlation going on between those two. Yeah, All right. So tell us tell us more about this anti anti-violence unit that you're a part of. Like tell, start from the beginning, like um how'd you get into it? Um Let's start with that. How did you get into that unit? So when I um, applied, it was, so there's no lateral transfers in PA. You had to apply like you're coming as a new line officer. Um, but I had all my certifications from firearms, you know, mm-hmm. firearms, you know I, and I went to the State Parole Academy. Um, so when I came down, I had all these certifications and everything. So it was like a perfect fit for me just to, segue right into the arm unit and the anti-violence unit. Um, I think we have seven anti-violence units and only two of them carry. So the rest of the units get a vest and OC spray. And they still got to make the contacts in the field and very interesting. Yes. No, nah, I can't do it. Not, especially not in Philly. Mm-mm. Wait, whoa. So I get, wait, so you'll give me a vest to stop the bullets. But you ain't gonna give me nothing to return the bullets except for an OC spray. OC. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah, homie. Spray with the OC, you know. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but the, so it's about I'm gonna say maybe out of the four hundred, it's probably twenty officers that are certified. Twenty five officers certified to carry. That's crazy. 
how's that how is that even possible in a city like Philly? The pendulum. <laughs> Leadership. I mean, how the city's going. Um so our arm unit actually started out as a gun court before it actually turned into like the anti-violence unit. So it was like for people who got arrested with gun charge, got any any type of gun, anything related to a gun, it was got sent to gun court. Just like how we have like treatment court or veterans court. And if you're a veteran, you go to veteran court. Um, so that's how it segue. So it wasn't really formed as a, okay, you got to be armed to go do your, you know, do the excess, you know, do your job. Like it was, they go about it every day. When I came down here, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, are you serious? Like, you don't have any, nothing to protect yourself and you going to North Philly and knocking on someone's door and doing a home visit? It just didn't make sense. Like, so I would, and some people are fine with it. Like some people just don't think that they're in inherent danger when they go to people's houses. Um, I don't know, agree, but <laughs> Chris, why are you making that face? <laughs> Y'all should see Chris with a scrunched up face. It don't make it don't make sense. It's not computing. It doesn't like like in Westmoreland County, our entire adult office is armed. I don't think they have a choice about whether they're armed or not. Only in the juvenile office do we choose whether you could be armed or not, and clearly a lot of us aren't. But, you know, they, they have different mindsets. They're more towards the two, three on the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Philly, I mean, I worked in juvenile placement. And I, we had a lot of juveniles from Philly. And there are some wild boys. Like, their whole value system is just different. And it's like, unless you actually work with that type of clients, you really can't understand um just the things that they value the things that are important to them it's mm. just totally different and mike's mike's nodding his head because he, he definitely agrees and he understands this and it's just different right. i mean especially with juveniles because they will juveniles they don't have they're still developing Develop. you know uh mm-hmm. cognitively so they don't understand things like death and being final and you know they're they're quick to make decisions. They'll they'll shoot you over a probation violation. You know what I mean? Like because they don't think things through. Don't even think about it. Like right? It's not until you come like an adult. We kind of like ah, I've been to jail a couple times. It ain't that bad. I'll I'll just go back. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the majority. Of course, there are some that are like I ain't going back. Mm-hmm. But but most of them they, they it's a game to them. They understand. All right, I got caught this time. I go do my time. I get back out. You know, business as usual, but with juveniles, they don't think like that. It's, I, I think working with juveniles is way more dangerous. But working with Philly juveniles is just crazy. I, and we've, I've transported some kids to Philly and driven through and take them to the courthouse. I'm just like, nah, don't make the wrong turn, end up on the wrong street in Germantown or something. Don't do it. <laughs> Y'all can't see Mike nodding his head right now. Yeah, go ahead and tell him, Mike. Go ahead and tell him. Like, I mean, like the juvenile, the, a juvenile PO in anywhere other than Pittsburgh and the rest of the state, like if they were to come down to the city and work, they would, they couldn't grasp unless they had some type of like a place they seen that had kids like from Philly and placement. 
they wouldn't be able to grasp the concept of a juvenile telling you, and I say a juvenile, I mean a juvenile, somebody 12, 13, telling you they don't expect to live to 25 because of the mm-hmm. street, they, the street this, the street that, they cousin this, and, you know, he ain't lived to 23, and, you know. Man, fuck you, old head, I don't care. You know, that, suck you know, my D, I don't care. I, I'm telling you, like, it, it's crazy. Like, that's why like, adults, you know, adults is like, you know what's expected. This is what's going to happen if you do this. And they like, all right, cool. Like, juveniles are so unpredictable. You might just be going like, yo, you ain't been to school in two days. The next thing you know, you they got a gun pointed at you. And you're like, I was just telling you to go to school. Like, you know, like, all right. You know, it's, it's not that deep, but it, it really is. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's the danger is there. Um, I, and I would agree with you. Juveniles definitely, definitely much dangerous uh, job because not only are you dealing with the juvenile, you're dealing with the parent, the family, mm-hmm. parents. If the parents are like the juvenile, you're gonna have a have a problem. You go knock on the door, and dad's on probation, the mom's on probation with the adult, and then you got to deal with the, the child, and that just makes for a bad it's a bad cocktail. Um, <laughs> It is. I I had one family where I think everybody in the house was on probation except for mom, the juvenile, the dad, the older brother. Everybody was on probation, but the mom. And he was like, "This is crazy." Like when I was in Columbia County, they have uh, our juvenile and our adult department different, um, two different chiefs. But I had a household where I had two brothers and a dad. On probation, on, on the same, on my case, loop, and juvenile had the so the kids. Like so, when we hit, when we went to the house, I would go with the juvenile, and like we would go at the same time because it was just a recipe for disaster. Like you're one person, you got to talk to three different adults, and then they got to talk to three different kids. Is and they all had different type of different cases, different juveniles. I couldn't do it. So I tip my hat off. She was like, yeah, you did it. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Trust me, it wasn't it. Like, the Westmoreland kids is nowhere near, as much as they thought they were hard, they're nowhere near to Philly kids. Not even like a tenth. It's crazy. It w- they would eat them up in placement. Like, eat yes. them up. Like, and, yes. and these kids, like, like, central, like central PA would go to placement. Um, like, they went out to state college or, uh, like down to uh, like St. Gabe's or to Philly to the youth, they'll come back and be like, I never want to go back to place, but they be in court like, please do not send me back to place. Please do not send me back to place because they haven't been exposed to nothing like that. They think they just the baddest thing walking in a town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they go down there and they see it's not so sweet. You know, it's real prison. Like <laughs> the youth study center in Philadelphia is a jail. Like it's, yeah, I've been, I've been there once. It's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy looking. It's just it's it's a jail. Like, it's a jail. Yeah, it's a jail. Um, yeah. It's no glorified. You can't sugarcoat it. It's just, it just is what it is. You know, it's a jail for juveniles. Um, you have a fancy name, but it's a jail. It's a jail. Like I mean, uh, but Columbia County though, like when I was at that apartment, I would have to say that when it comes to like the two hats, they were definitely more on the of uh, the law and order side. But the law order came first, and then it's okay. I'll help you out. Like you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to lock you up, but it's only for your own sake. 
So like you had more flexibility for like, I could do like a 48 hour detainer, 72 hour detainer. I put them in there for two weeks up until like, you know, that two week period to the gag, uh, the gag too. And they can wave and sign a gag one waiver and say, okay, yeah, I messed up. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do a retrial where they don't have to see the judge. So it was a lot of flexibility you could do as a PO. You had a lot of discretionary power um, to, you know, help the person succeed. Whereas in Philly, it's really, you know, you mess up, you're going to see your judge. Just, I, I have nothing. I'm just, a, I'm, I just filed a paperwork. I just, you know, that's it. Um, you got to go see the judge at that point because the judge wants to see you. And if I lift the warrant because he wants to do, he wants to go to treatment, that's fine and dandy, but the judge wants to see him first. The judge wants to make that decision that he had, he, he can go to treatment because if not, then. Not being in the hot seat, and you don't want to be in the hot seat. <laughs> um, let's go. Let's go back to. Uh, I know it's how the conversation always goes. Let's go back to the anti-violence unit. So, tell us more about that unit. Um, what kind of things do y'all do? Um, so, okay, what kind of things do y'all do? So, with anti-violence, like it's obviously you get your more violent offenders on there, and some non non-violent depends on how the risk assessment hits it, um, but. We go out, field contacts uh, multiple times a week. Um, we only do Monday through Friday, uh, no after-hour stuff. Um, but you go out and see your offender, and you have to make contact. So you pop up on them, yo, I'm at your house, where you at? You ain't tell me you had a job, so where you at? All right, I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to come meet you. Um, we do a rest in the field if, you know, if, if need be. Uh, warrants are a big thing with uh, anti-violence because our people abscond a lot. Um, they get in trouble. They might get locked up and not have a warrant be lodged on them for drugs or whatever. And because of the process and time, by the time everyone talks to each other, they are out the door already. Um, so you can't even lodge the warrant down on them yet because the PD already released them and gave them their walking papers to tell them to report on such and such date, which they're probably not going to report to. And then now they're not going to report to you either because they think you're going to lock them up, which might happen. But now you got this person that is got, got a new case, maybe, you know, firearm enhanced. So now you really like, all right, we got to get this person off the street because he got caught with a firearm. He's definitely going to get another firearm and do the same thing he was doing. Um, so we do warrants are a big thing with us. And right now we, they have the, Marshall's task force uh, going on. So we're to collaborate with the um, Eastern District, Pennsylvania, uh, Marshall's task force, AG's office, I think is on there, and the DA's office, as well as the Sheriff's Department and Philly PD, all you know, go get together, get a stack of warrants and try to, you know, knock them out as <laughs> fast as they can. Um, so that's pretty much all that anti-violence does. It's really... Uh, warrants, making sure you make your contacts, and the caseloads are much lower. Like, so my caseload right now, 46 right now. Oh my gosh, that's very low. Very low from what I had before. So, where I came from, I had about 150. Uh-huh. Um, then when any violence is kind of, it's like a it's fine tune. So they only, only the high risk of the high risk going that. Um, so yeah, I got 46 and that 46 can be a lot, 
And saying that because you have 46 people out there that are doing violent things, got violent charges and stuff like that. So you really got to be on their back. Like, where are you at? Um, and everybody on your case though is not on the street. So you have people in jail um, that are waiting for new charges to be processed through um, pending outcomes of like new cases they picked up or whatever. So, and the, theoretically, I might only have 20 people on the street, but I still got to go to court for the other 20 that are locked up. Right, exactly. So, Do you work yeah. weekends too? Are you no, on call? No weekends. I was on call when I was in Central PA. That was the fun thing. Like when you on call, um, <laughs> extra money. Uh, that was like the over. I was like our overtime and stuff. So we don't have on call in Philly. Um, oh, okay. So would you prefer there to be? Uh, yes and no. Um, how like how the on call work when in Columbia County? Um, you had two officers that was on call, primary, secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, way it worked is you take the week but it was incentive so if you didn't get called out you still got paid like an extra like 450 or 500 dollars on top for that week on top of your your base so aside from the money aspect (laughs) (laughs) um aside from the money yeah i would i would would like the on call um just based off you can address things right then and there before you know the time lapse like because over the weekend it might happen Friday night, and by the time everything's Monday morning, you walk into Monday morning, oh, he got arrested Friday night. He's now out of custody because nobody was in there to lodge a warrant or, you know, follow, track him through the process. So that's kind of where like, a lot of people slip through the cracks. Mm. But especially so right they now. Know, they know you're not working on the weekend. Oh, yeah. They... <laughs> Our offenders know our job better than we know our job. So ain't that the truth? <laughs> they know our job. They know what we can and cannot do. <laughs> they know what discretionary powers we have. Uh, they know when they're going to get arrested and when they're not going to get arrested. They they, they know. Um, and it's kind of, I don't agree with that. I mean, I would kind of like leave it. I like to leave it up for mystery kind of like, this is what I can do, but I'm going to do this. But uh-huh. It's like they got our. It's like they got our, our our operations manual, and they just like, okay, well, so I got this, this, and this. Okay, I'm not going to that. So, so they're more equipped to finesse because they already know how it goes. Exactly. <laughs> They've been missed with multiple times with multiple different officers. So, you know, it's it's just it's like the nature of the beast. Like it's a bigger city. You can't really. I think right now, shoot on right now on probation, we have about fifty thousand people. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, Chris. Yeah, the little AirPods died. Okay, because you're doing all that moving around, and you can hear all of that in the in the audio, and you can't hear what Mike's saying. Um, no, you need to mute your stuff when you keep moving the phone around. Right, I should be good right now. Okay, I had to, I had to get my uh, laptop charger. Sorry. <laughs> it's like 45,000, uh, I believe, on probation right now in the city. Hey, hold, hold on a second, man. Hold on a second, man. <sighs> it'd, be, it'd be like this sometimes, man. Oh, yeah. It'd be like this sometimes. <laughs> you get to see the, the, uh, 
the behind the behind the scenes of how we do these podcasts. Listen, <laughs> it's a production. <laughs> so, so how how did you uh, off the record? Um, how did you find? Cause she'll edit all this out. How did you find us? I think it might was on Instagram. Maybe uh, I had a a law enforcement hashtag that I was following. And I think one of you guys, either somebody posted it or it was you guys yourself posted it and had the hashtag in it. And it popped up on my feed. I'm like, Two Heads Podcast. And I seen probation. I'm like, hmm. So then I went to Spotify. I was at, I was, I was, on, doing my, I was in my office. Uh, I had my office day. I'm like, let me pull up. I'm like, and I think at that time you had like two or three episodes up. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Like, you know, because we're like we're like that small, small, small percentage of law enforcement that everyone forgets about. They have a vital part in public safety, um, but a lot of people don't know what we do. A lot of people don't talk about what we do. You won't see no movies about what's what we do. You know, um, true. So the public really doesn't know unless they're in trouble, <laughs> unless they know the system. But like the the general public. They don't all don't know what probation do. So they like, you know, probation officer, okay, what is that? Like, what's a parole? What's the difference between probation and parole? Like, they don't understand that. And every time you knock on somebody's door, hey, I'm probation officer, such and such, who? The cops? No, no, no. I didn't say that. Probation officer. And they're like, and what do you do? Like, and you got to run the full, explain everything, like every time. And it's like, you know, when I heard the first couple episodes, I'm like, yo, this is, this is everything I always tell. Like, you know, and, and the thing about it is, it's not, it's different every other place. Like how in Texas, like you said, it, it's not nothing like how it is over here. I'm like, really? I was like, wait, what? You mean to tell me in Texas? <laughs> I'm like, wait, y'all don't carry guns? Like, I mean, how- Everybody in Texas got a gun, but some for the POs. I'm like, What? <laughs> Well, let me just, okay, I feel like I need to clarify that because it's more so my department. You know what I mean? It's not all the departments in the whole state. You know uh, what I'm saying? Like, I was just like, and I think, was was it the last episode y'all had where y'all had the, or the episode before last where I forget where she was at when they was like, oh, no, they just come here and we don't do home visits and none of that. Oh, Virginia, yeah. I was like. Oh, that special case low, yeah. I said, don't do home visits? How do you know if they live here? Like, I mean, I was, it was, it, I was listening to that, and I'm like, oh, my, I wish I could call in. Like, it was a radio station. Like, I, I was floored, too. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, y'all don't do what? I said, so this is just like daycare. I mean, because. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Zoom probation. That's what I called it. It was Zoom probation. And you know, and they they she made some really good valid points, you know, about you know supervising. And I actually, it kind of like made me think about how we do things over here. But I was like, how can like when you like you talk, we was talking about the stats. Like, of course, the stats are going to say like you're doing great because it's not really. Yeah, you're not really imposing anything. They don't have to do much. <laughs> they can have a full stash house in the, in the house they live in because you never know because you never went there. You know, like exactly things like that. Like you know, and like a big the biggest thing about like verifying someone's address is like um, it's a lot of things that go into it. Versus like if if you ever got an issue a warrant for them, um, 
if any other law enforcement are inquiring about somebody in that house, you know what the house looks like inside. You know who stays there. Any dogs? Um, it's the yellow house with the red iron. Like you know, you under, you know what the house looks like. Um, and you know where their room is. Where they lay their head at. Yes, you know where to go when you're doing it, like a search. You got gun charges, and I can't. You you just report to me, and I can't search your house. Or I'm not coming to like it's no field context or nothing like that. So well, that's the thing. Her case though didn't have those type of offenses. And it, I think it was it was domestic violence, right? Yeah, yeah, but like you hitting your mom or something. I mean, not to say that that's okay, but, but yeah, it wasn't like the type of people that you deal with on a daily. When I when I what I got from her is hers is kind of like our municipal court, like our MC court before it jumps to CP, like the common pleas. So it was kind of the lower level. So maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. But. I was just still like, wow. Like, I mean, I can tell you, I live at 123 Apple Street and you just gonna go with it. I'm like, when it comes time for like transfers or you got to transfer or they transfer out of the county or out of the state, like you, oh, he lived here. This is his previous address. Did you verify it? Like, how do you know? Like, <laughs> how do you know? Because <laughs> they told me so. <laughs> like, and the one thing I can think about now is like the Rihanna Teller thing. You tell somebody like you live here. And they go to the wrong house or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're like, yeah, such and such lives here. They knock the door in. And then you got a whole fiasco because this person said they live here. And they don't live here. That was somebody's address they were just using just to whatever, not, you know, keep you out of their business. So I'm like, that's a big part. Like, so when y'all issue y'all warrants, what address do y'all put on y'all warrants? Like, as a last time. <laughs> That was just it, it, that was that was what I was thinking because I served warrants. And I never want to be in a position where I'm knocking someone's door in. Because they're inside, they just don't want to let me in because nobody in the house is on probation, which is their right. <laughs> and we go and going to a house that there is no one on probation, and no one they've been there twenty years and don't know the name or, or the face that we're showing them. And now we just destroyed their door or their handcuffed sitting on the floor because we think they're hiding somebody in there, and it's just it's a bad situation. But they do things differently over there, so it, might, it works for them. But it just I don't think it will work over here. Um, no. It wouldn't work where you are. But I'm glad you brought that up because it made me think of something. How did you feel about the punishment that the rapper Meek Mill received for his probation violation and the time that he got for that? So it's that actually the paper. And, uh, I'm getting my master's right now. So nice. on that. And in the conditions of probation to tell you what you can and cannot do. Unlike the police, the police go out and pull you over and do pet stops and this, that, and so forth. Probation gives you the book, the cheat sheet, the, the test. This is what it is. You got, this is the date you're done. You follow everything, you'll be fine. Gun cases, you should have went to jail from the beginning. You got a break. You got a break and you should decide you want to do whatever you want to do. And that judge... Uh, She's she's stern with everybody, so it, it's not like she picked favorites. It's, that's how she is with everybody. She was under that. She did everything that she she gave you the chances. Like I mean, seven years you had seven years probation. Really, you should have went upstate for five years because you had a gun. Um. So when they were doing all of the, the protests, and I'm like, I'm like, I can't agree with it because I know exactly. You know, the media is only going to tell you half of it. Like. I know what the docket says. I know what the police complaint says. I, I like I know all that what happened. So I'm looking at it from a different perspective. And if you give somebody that's like the teacher giving you a test, 
and saying, here's the study guide for the test, and it's the same thing as the test. And you just say, I'm going to throw the study guide in the trash, I'm going to take the test or whatever. Like, what, what did he expect that was going to happen? And, I mean, you know, and granted, he had probation. Long, lengthy sentences of probation will trip people up. Um, Amen. I'm <laughs> a fan of long probations. Um, now, and PA, they have a thing of putting a tail of probation on a state sentence. Um, wow. So where you come out of state custody and you're supervised by county probation, not state parole. So you got that is that I'm like, that does that just makes no sense because now they done serve seven years, but they got three year probation. Yeah. On that probation, they get violated. Now they gotta go back and do three years. And it explaining that to somebody who just came out of from state custody, like, I'm not going back up there. <laughs> like I just did seven years up there. I'm not going back up there. So it's like it, probation can if it's not used properly, it, it can definitely hinder someone's ability to succeed. Amen. Uh, yeah. I would definitely um, say that. I mean, now, I, I, know, I know some places they won't even go over like two year probation. And now I think two years, that should be the, like two to three years should be the max for probation. I mean, people putting people on five to four year probation, that's a long time for them to walk uh, a narrow line. Like they not only, they have to buy by the conditions of probation. If they're in a specialized unit, they got to buy by those. And they got to obey the law. That's what <laughs> in the first place. Like they can't, they obviously have some issues doing that. Like, I mean, try to try to help them. You know, two years should be, you know, and if they they can't get it together, you will know in that first year if they can't get it together. <laughs> like it, 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 that's just one of the, like in my experience, you're gonna find out real quickly that they cannot get it together. Um and the, the the long lengthy sentence of probation don't work now parole that's a whole different thing like you i'm all for that because you done did some time like chris says you did time time you did, yes <laughs> time time the big house <laughs> so like you coming out for good behavior or whatever you completed programs inside to reintegrate reintegrate back in society okay yeah you should come out early and be on parole and finish the rest of your time out on the street i agree with that but the long probation sentence is like they, they'll take a probation sentence. So somebody have a gun case and say it's a five year, you know, standard range or whatever. They'll put them on for five years of probation. That, 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 that doesn't make sense to me because they can go back and revoke them. And now all that time, you don't get no back time. Or that. It starts all over again. That's a, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a flaw in the system that like really needs to be kind of like looked at because now they all that time, they might've did three years court a case now that whole all that three years just is in the way they're still they can face the full range of punishment it, for the crime it goes back right in front like you just got the charges that day and now you get resentenced and now you can get resentenced to the full time so you get resentenced to five years of state. you done did three years or you like what happened to that three years of time i did you know that was good it goes out the window so like i do agree with that you know it definitely should be um it definitely should look at the the probation aspect of it, but and, uh, some people walk, a, some people off probation. <laughs> some people do walk off probation and, and complete it successfully with serious charges. I mean, it does happen. It's just not as like what she said, like eighty percent or eighty five percent. I was like eighty five percent. That's a high percentage. <laughs> In your state, is it um, 
is DWI like an offense that you can stay on probation for 10 years? No, DW, they just, so they just changed it in PA maybe like two years ago. So any DUI, DWI, first offense, I think you get a county sentence. Second offense, you can get like the drug treatment court, which kind of is like intermediate punishment. So if you don't complete that, you go to state. If you get another one, you get straight, straight state sentence. Um, oh, really? Yes. They for did. here in Texas, for your third, for your third DWI or more, then you can get ten years of supervision. You don't have to necessarily <laughs> go to prison. And this is the state that had that marijuana is still a felony, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> marijuana is a felony, and then you can be ten years sentence for a DWI, right? Yeah, it, it just it just it just tells you how like the whole country just needs they really need to look at probation and parole and really understand and reassess how it's structured. I mean, probation should be given to like you know okay, it's your first offense. You don't want to do no jail time, and this is you might just have to report monthly or every other month, you know, because some regular people mess up and they, you know, might have a few too much to drink, and you know, probation is frightening to somebody who's not used to that field. Like if there's that first time coming in, I really feel bad for those people that come in and just are like. I don't know what's going on here. This is my first time in the courthouse. Like, I'm nervous. I'm not going to go to jail, am I? And it's like, you got to kind of like bring it down. Like, this is what we're going in. Those and are my favorite clients. I love I, those. I love, the they, I love <laughs> them because it's the easiest. Like, you know, here's, easy. The, here's the rule book. Here's the cheat sheet. And they do everything. Pay our everything. Pay the fines up in front. Like, you don't ever have to ask them a dime because they don't pay the fines. Like, and it's like, yeah. all right, cool. But then you get the people who just abuse the probation system. Oh, yeah. The people who have the rap sheet with like 50 arrests, three prison sentences. <laughs> like, like, so it's like, all right, that obviously doesn't work for you. And it, it, it should show, the record should show that probation don't work for you. Exactly. But You've been yet, revoked like four times in the past. <laughs> but, but yet you are getting sentence to probation again again it is like why would you even take it just sit down and take that time <laughs> because they know when they get out they're gonna run and do whatever they're gonna do again catch me if you can like yeah <laughs> just, that's how it is is catch me if you can i mean and with the odds right now the odds are on their side like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we i mean you figure if we we serve if we, we had a good day if we serve you know six or seven warrants that's a good day um, because like I'll be eight to four, seven to three, whatever our schedule. Um, that's a good day. You make your own schedule. So we got They have we have four different ones. You can use seven to three, uh, seven thirty to three thirty, eight to four, or nine to five. Um, uh, you, you don't have a late night. Some special cases you can do to ten to six. And we have, but one, you don't personally. No, you have our late night would be only till seven, and that's. You volunteer for that. It's one night a month where people uh-huh. report in that. Like, so if they have work or, you know, work during the day, um, they can come in after work and report. Um, Are you drug testing your people? Not during COVID, but yes. But we, like, do you do it personally or do you send no, it I don't out? Do no, more. no, no. I used to do that at the, my other county. We used to go give them a cup, go in the bathroom with them, 
and do the little tabs and all that and send it off to the lab. Now in the city, because there's so much volume, they actually have their own lab in the, the probation building. So juvenile actually has their own like probation officer technicians that run a machine and all that stuff like that. We send ours out to the lab. Um, but, so do you, the people who supervise the UAs, are they employed by the probation department? Yes. Or is it a whole, okay. Yes. So for, oh no, not for adult. That's a third party uh, laboratory. Another third party company that's laboratory that come in and does it. But for okay. juvenile, juvenile has their own people that's hired, that's hired under the probation to handle, that's all they do, just handle um, urine, swab um, uh, mouth swabs and hair follicle so i used to hate being on p duty i'm just gonna keep it real i hated it <laughs> like i don't want to look at this anymore <laughs> and I, uh, yeah i had somebody throw p at me before it, like what did you do <laughs> uh how did you react <laughs> almost lost my mind um, <laughs> Almost, this was when I was in Columbia County. I almost lost my mind, and I was just like, it immediately went right in the cuff. So, like, um, in Columbia County, we wear our full, all like our duty gear. Anything we going out in the field, we wear that every day. So, duty belt. Um, we had outer carriers. So we could take we take our outer carriers off when we're in the office because they come through security and all that stuff like that. So we just carry like tasers and firearms and handcuffs. Um, but. I was like, did he just throw piss on me? Like, I'm, 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 Where did I'm, he go? Did it go on your face? <laughs> did he get you with the pee? We need to know. Did he get you with the pee? It hit my hit here and went down. Okay, he's, he's talking little, about his chest, y'all. Yeah, my chest. My chest, yes. Oh. Uh, close enough to me because I'm... Everybody got to die. Everybody got to die. Listen, I'm 6'3". So for it to get that high and you smaller than me, I think you were trying to throw it in my face. Mm-hmm. So... And I was like, you know, he was he was very apologetic afterwards, um, but he ended up getting charged with um, assault on law enforcement officer. So, you know, I kind of I went I went straight to the hospital. ER. I was like, yo, you got to test me because I don't know nothing about how this stuff seeps in the pores. And I, I, I said I stripped here. Test me. Like <laughs> and they were like, oh, it's, it's OK. Like, you know. It's not this, you know, it's not blood and this and that. I'm like, I hear what you're saying, but. Okay, so was he upset with you? Like, why? <laughs> he was upset because I told him he was not leaving until he provided me a urine sample. So he peed and he knew it was going to be hot. And he went, like, he went and um, passed him to go pass me the cup with the lid and was just like, huh, take it. <laughs> like, okay. And it was, it was, it was, it was, it was on from there. Um, needless to say, actually, he went upstate from that. They actually, when we, I went back to, um, I, I revoked him, had his gag non hearing. Um, and the judge actually, so they, they sped up his, his, his uh, new charges for assault and consolidated that with his current charge that he was on and actually sent him upstate for it. So, I mean, I didn't have to deal with him no more, and I was thankful because I don't know if I could. I don't. I don't even think I could actually have a like sit in front of him in the office, mm-hmm. and just try mm-hmm. to piss at me, and it was. Just, <laughs> you, got, you got to go somebody else's case, though, bro. Mm-mm. You got to go somebody else's case, It's like it's just never going to be. I, it's in the respect factor. It was just completely stepped on. Like, yeah, that, that professional relationship is out the window. 
I'll throw in because gone. You really just came for me on a personal level, and I, I don't like that. Um, but it's the nature of the job. Like I mean, like right now, I was just talking to my uh, former partner because um, we were talking about the like the tasers. The tasers are like a big thing in the in the in the news now because of like the uh, incident that happened in Philly where the taser the officer didn't have a taser. Um, and I was just telling people, I'm like, you know, tasers don't work all the time. Like, you know, they're not an all be all. They work on people who are not uh, under the influence. Um, <laughs> and that's about it. Like, you know. And you can get a good, you get a good connection with the darts. Yes. If your barbs don't get a good, they don't arc the right way, or it's not a big enough arc, it's not going to do nothing. I've been tased three times. I, I can, I can talk in court about tasers. It, it, all three times it hurt. Like hell, <laughs> um, but it don't have the same effects for if you're under the influence. Like you're talking about people on PCP or mm-hmm. high on meth. Like it just doesn't do the same it, to them. It's like a tickle. It's like you literally tickle on them. They can just pull them out and then like, all right, now what? Now what do you do? Like you know, and it was because our department was talking about getting. I'm like, Taser's not an all be all. I mean, it's just it's another tool. It might work, but you got to be able to, all right, what's going to happen after this taser if it does or does not work type deal. Like, you know, um, had a couple situations uh, when I was in Columbia County, um, altercations that got like, I'm like, yo, like, after the, I'm, I'm talking to the dude, I'm like, do you know I'm going to shot you, dude? Yeah, I'm sorry. You Sorry. That's like, not the right answer for you almost dying. You sorry, like, like, what? Like, uh, I'll give you one example. Like, well, one instant, one of this, one of these stories. And so, um, we're doing evening house checks, and it was overtime. Me and my partner was like, "Yo, we can just get some overtime." You know, knocking a few contact visits, so we can be all Friday. You know, everybody love a Friday off. So, it's like six o'clock one night. We go to. I had a female on supervision. She was actually doing really well. She just got out of treatment, um, doing everything. She was going to her classes and everything, doing everything she had to do. Um, but her boyfriend was wanted through our department. Um, she was telling us she had no contact with him in months. All the you know the brand again. All right, cool, whatever. So we every time we go to the house, he's not there. He's not at his house. All right, so we think he might have fled the county. Here's another, so we get to the house talking to the mom. Mom's like, "Oh, she's doing good and this and that." Um, I'm like, "All right, well, I'm going to her room and you know just do a, a once over, not not a full intrusive you know search, but I'm just going to you know do a breeze over." Oh, yeah, don't walk through. Yeah, don't walk through. Anything in plain sight. Right. So I get to the door and the door is locked. I'm like, I'm "Not going to do it, yo." You know, just your PO. Oh, hold on, hold on. All right, there's Spidey Sense number one, red flag number one going up. All right, then I hear a big thump, so I'm like, "All right, open the door." Like now I'm getting, now my height, my like I go from relaxed to just talking. Now I'm heightened now, so I'm like, "Open the door." She opens the door and she's like, she's just standing there, and I'm like, "What's what's going on? You're like somebody else in here with you? No, nobody else is in here. So it's just me and my partner, just just us two, and." I'm like, I'm looking at her, but I hear movement in the closet. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, who's in here with you? Like, and I'm, you know, 
so much go through your brain at that time because you don't know if it's a child in there, it could be a dog, you don't know what's in there. Like, and I'm not going to step into that room until like, I know for sure, or I have to hundred percent go in that room. So I'm like, who's in there? She just started bawling in tears. I was like, it got, it gotta be him. I says, your boyfriend in here? Uh, she's like, no, he's not in here. She start crying. I pull out. I was like, cuff her up because I don't, I don't know what, like you're not giving me no type of information. You're just crying and standing in one spot. You're, you're like, you're not, you know, not complying. So you kind of like resisting, like, no, no, no. As soon as I put the cuffs on her, um, pull her out and have, have her sit in the hallway. I'm going, I'm, I'm calling dispatch now. I'm like, you know, county send me some more units because I don't know what's in this room. I don't know who is in this room. It could be somebody that's wanted that's not even on probation. So I don't even know. And plus, I got a whole house full of people that it started as a regular context. I never cleared the house like I was going to clear it for if we were doing warrants. So I don't know who else is in the house. So I don't want to have to deal with that, too, after I deal with whatever's in this room. So me and my partner go in this room, and the room is so small. Like, I mean... I could literally probably two of me can touch the wall, like side by side wingspan. So it's, 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 it was, a, it was a small, small room. And like, I look at the closet and there's a bunch of clothes, a pile of clothes in the closet. So, so tell me, tell, tell me you had a strap out. Tell me the strap was out. Before I entered the room, when I heard, the right, th- there we go. My man, where, I heard, when I heard the third, now I'm in clear letter, clear the leather. Now, now I'm in, I'm in tactical mode. Um, you know, see, Br- see, Brittany, she's trying to comprehend all this because she she ain't used to all this. She don't, she don't know what a house looked like pa- past the, uh, the door, the front door. So she's trying she's trying to imagine all this. No, I'm straight and I'm in t- I'm in I'm in I'm in I'm in operator full operator mode. I'm just like okay, cool, guns out, drawing, um, commands. She comes out, partner cuffs her up. I'm still you know holding the door because I don't know what's in that room. County, I clear hold the air for me. I'm doing a, you know, I'm doing a search. So now that everybody else around, everybody else is like, oh, what, like what's going on? Because they do the, the drop a three phone, like yo, something's going on at this address. And um, I go in the room and he's in the closet, and right above, he's sitting at the bottom of the closet, but it's like a shelf, maybe like five feet off the ground. And then all I see is a shiny two sided dagger right above him i'm like now i'm really up there i'm like listen dude show me your hands no hands being shown i see his face no hands being shown so now i'm taking i'm kind of positioning myself to where i'm least exposed but i can still see him um and he's like he's crying he's all hyper and i'm like dude just show me your hands that's all i need right now just please just show me your hands and wouldn't show me his hands. And I'm like, all right. So talk to my partner. I'm like, yo, you want to go less lethal um, because he's not showing me his hands. County, step it up. I need some more units here because before this blow up into a situation, the longer we wait here, everybody else is in the living room. It's like, oh, what's going on? The daughter's out there crying on the ground in handcuffs. This is way, the situation is too much right now for two officers. Well, that's, so, a, that's a bad situation right there. Bad situation. So, like, family can turn on you. It's just it's a bad situation. So, I'm like, um, I told him to actually go from less lethal to lethal. I'm going to go hands-on because I was first. I'm right, I'm right there, and I can see one hand. I can't see the other hand. And I'm like, 
in my head, I'm like, this is not the best. This is not the best decision. Like, you know, something's telling me not. So I didn't go hands on. So I'm like, I'm top of my lungs. I mean, when I say I'm making noise, I'm making noise. Like top of my lungs. Show me your hands. Everything in the book. Dude, show me your hands. Um, and then I finally see the other hand. There's nothing in the other hand. So cool. Holster up real quick. Still keep lethal because I don't know if it's nothing. And I pull him out to pull the prone him out to, you know, handcuff him. And he stands up. And we're looking eye to eye. We're about the same size. And like I said, I'm like 6'3", like 270. Um, not a small dude. And he was muscle. And as I saw his eyes pinpoint. I mean, like the finest point of pen. I'm just like, he was on that stuff. I said, "Oh my god!" Um, we have earpiece for our radios, and the mix, my earpiece fell out, so I'm not hearing none of the transmission, uh, nothing like that. Um, so I grab one arm, my partner grabs the other arm, and County's like they're trying to get status, like status, status. So it goes quiet over the thing. Over the uh, over the radio, and then I finally like knock it out, and I can hear him. I hear the tones going off, like they dropping three tones. The world is on their way now because they can't. They they lost contact with us. Or they think they lost contact with, us. and we're in there fighting with this dude for like three minutes. When I say the three minutes fighting with this dude felt like forever. Mm-hmm. Three minutes felt like forever. I'm on the radio like I asked for units five like five minutes ago. Where like where is my help like? Yo, like since like at this point, it's in the world, like because dude, then he then smoked something, he then took something, he had some strength. Like I work out, I lift weights and all that. I got some strength, but he had some strength. He had like that extra level of like you know I just smoked some uh, methamphetamine or some PCP, mm-hmm. uh, and it took three minutes to I couldn't even cuff him up. I just laid on him. I just literally laid. I had to I had to, I had to lay on him. And I sat there, and so everybody, all the responding units come in, PDs, uh, other two partners. They were they were doing house contacts on uh, on the other side of the uh, on the other side of the town. So they flew over there. They come over. What I said, just cuff them. Like I'm when I say I'm beat, I'm panting like a dog. Like either a fight for the life. And like I, when I pulled the cover back, he had a 380 bodyguard sitting right there. I'm, I'm like, I said, see, that's when your gut say, do not go hands on. Don't go hands on. Cause if I would have been hands, there's no telling he could have grabbed that. And, it, it, you know, three a small round, but it do damage, you know, <laughs> it's, it's still a gun. Um, but that's why he was fighting for his life because he, he knew he was done for, he had a warrant. He was already convicted felon. He was like, I ain't trying to go back. And he had just got high. So I'm talking to him. I'm like, dude, like, what's up? He said, I had just, like, he said, when y'all knocking the door, I had just finished smoking the pipe, my, my, my meth pipe. I had just, I said, so it's a fresh in your system. Mm. High off meth. Fire. Mm, he, ooh, he just hit that Mario, put that Mario power up on you. I'm like, I'm like, when he got into custody, like, my, my shirt was ripped, like, my BDUs, and you know how hard it is to rip some BDUs. Uh-huh. BDUs had ripped. And it looked like I was in the fight of my life. I had the minor cuts or whatever. My partner had minor cuts. And I just looked at my partner. I was just like, I thank God. Called my chief. I'm like, yo, chief, this is what's the breakdown. Um, this is what happened. He's like, everybody, all right. I said, yeah, we, we're fine. I said, 
he's all right too, but he 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 a little bruised up. But um, I said, and I, I I was just talking to him on the phone. I'm like, yo, like that. I said, I said that was that was crazy. I'm like, and not to mention we did deploy Taser. Taser was just deployed and it didn't do anything. That like nothing. I mean, contact tease, like we talking about a night, a spread, like, and we had, at the time, we had just got the new tasers, the X2s, which you didn't have to reload, like, you know, that old taser, you had to pull off the cartridge off the bottom, put it on the, mm-hmm. and reload it. With the X2s, you can just pull the trigger again, and two more prongs go out. Um, so a four, like a, it's like an arc and a, a square, kind of, didn't do anything, absolutely nothing. It, it shocked us. Me, me, I got shocked. I got tased because I touched the one of the barbs. Did nothing to him. I asked him, did he feel it? He said, I didn't feel nothing. I'm like, see, that and now in my mind, I had one of them them situations where I was like, okay, tasering them. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not an end all be all. And I have, I have probably had like two successful times with a taser, but it's still not enough to make me feel like, you know, I'm 100% relying on a taser that is going to end the threat or whatever the case may be. Um, because they could have, that could have went real sour and the taser, like the taser didn't do nothing. It was really all strength and I'm going to sit on you at this point. Like it, it was no pressure, no pressure points because he was countering everything. Like, and he was, he, he was just strong. He, he just, he had that high, like he was like, I'm ready to go. Like, and I would came into the house, like I was on my game, but I wasn't, I'm just doing a regular con. I'm thinking this is going to be an easy contact because I'm not going to really do nothing crazy at night. I've been worked all day and into the night. I'm not trying to really do no backbreaking work. And it turned into the fight of my life. And I, I, I talked to my partner now. He was like, man, he said, dude, like, and my, my partner was, he's, he's slender. He's much smaller than me. He's like, if you ain't sit on him, we probably still be fighting. I'm like, it really got to a point where I had to, I really had to sit on him, like dead weight, just lay on him. And, um, you know, we're here, we're here to tell a story now and joke about it, laugh about it now. But like, and then after in, like in the moment, it was real. In the moment, it was real. And that's why I want to, like, I hear people going into people's houses, you know, like, hey, I'm probation officer this. You don't know who else is in that house that's on probation or have a warrant. Like they don't know that you're not there to get them. They don't know you're not armed. <laughs> they just see you say you probation officer such and such. That might be the day that they try like, oh no, I'm not going back. And you have nothing yeah. like you. You can't even defend yourself. That's why I was like, yeah, that's that's a, that's that's I can't, I can't I couldn't see myself going in the field unarmed. I mean, that just don't seem logical. Like I mean, <laughs> you gonna throw something. So two things, right? So one thing that complacency is real. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that get um I think yes. PO is caught up is oh I'm just trying to, I just need I, you know because we have we have requirements you know we have to make those contacts certain mm-hmm. amount of contacts per month per week or whatever and you're trying to meet those requirements and that kind of becomes your focus as opposed to you know your safety and you know what's going on around you so de- definitely compliance is the biggest issue i don't know i struggle with it every day mm-hmm. when i'm out in the field and i have to like I, like when i pull up the house i have to like slow myself down all right cool i know i'm just here just to make this face-to-face contact so i can clear this you know off the computer um so the computer leaves me alone and stop saying he's past mm-hmm. due right do y- y'all like that too your computer tells y'all what to do okay yep. yeah so like, when you're in a situation where you just want to clear that but you have to, I have to slow myself down and say, all right, let me slow down. Let me look around before I get out of the car. Is there any dogs running around? You know, is there a lot of cars at the house? Is there a lot of people? You got to slow yourself down and really kind of focus on that. And two, let me ask you a question. 
did you consider ever just holding him at gunpoint until that backup came? Or did you feel like you could have you that you could have safely taken him into custody until things went south? Uh, so in that moment where it was okay, like hold him at gunpoint or take him into custody. I can hold him at gunpoint, but I got six other people in the house that are unaccounted for doing the shower, random doing the shower. I don't know if there's any weapons in this house, so I'm trying to get the best tactical advantage now. If I got to fight from this room, I'm cool because this room is clear. I know this room is clear. That's how my angle was. And at the time, I'm like, his dad was on probation. His mom's been on probation. Like, it's that prior knowledge. Like, the, like a police officer went ahead and now, but, like, I know because I'm a PO and I've been in the house multiple times from multiple people. So I know the other things, like the people in the house, what they have been on probation for. So in my mind, I'm like, you know, if it's just him, I'm like, you know what? And the fact that he wasn't responding to commands. So I'm like, all right. And then he start responding. And then I'm like, and County's like, yo, you know, somebody's in route. I hear in my ear, okay, pulling on the scene right now. So I'm like, all right, cool. At least got one more body here. And at the moment when I seen the dagger and I seen him still fidgeting around in there, I'm like, it, it, it was like, I got to, I got this got to, I'm not trying to shoot this guy. Like, cause it, you got a weapon right there, and I didn't even know about the the firearm under there. Um, I'm not trying to shoot this guy. I don't want to be trying to take his life, but I will if I have to. But that's not the kid. That's not the route I want to take. So let me see if it's another course of action. So he actually kind of start responding to me at the end uh, when he finally popped his hands out and showed me his hands. So I'm like, all right, maybe it's, I can get him in the custody now, whatever. But when it turned, when he like rolled out of the prone position and I'm like, all right, like I got cuffs in my hand. Cuffs got to go away now because yep. it's time. I need, I need both. I need, I need open palm um, to handle this, to address the situation. Um, because when he was prone down, I was going right in, getting ready, getting ready to cuff one. And he just, I said, okay, we ain't going to do that. Cause if I got one cuff on, it'd have been all. It'd have been ball game. I'd have been good to go. But right before I could get that first cuff on, it was. It was like nope. So I was like, all right. But like in the training aspect and the, like educational, like I like to look back on the things. And I'm like, I, that's one of the things I said. I was like, could we just kept him at gunpoint? And it was like yay and nay because I was outlining factors like the people in the house. They they had been on for guns before. Um, they do not like us. Every time we come to their house, someone gets locked up. So I'm just like, is it worth it to, like, it's like, okay, is it an imminent threat? Like, is it an immediate threat? It's just like you bouncing that in that split second that you have. And I'm like, you know, I always use that, like, for training aspects now. And I'm talking to, like, new officers as well. I'm like, you know, that's one of them things that, like, you can train, 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 Um you might not agree with your body tells you to do in the field in that time when you go back and look at it, but you don't know why your body telling you to do that. I mean, you fall back when you're training and you, you might think the situation is, you know, you can handle the situation because you've been through those situations before. And like, you know, pull, I've been, I pulled people out of the closet before, you know, weapons in there. Um, and you like, you think it's a, one of those situations, every situation is different. Um, so going back, looking at it, um, I would say to a point, yes, I could have held them at gunpoint. Um, but because of the 
unknown of the six other individuals in the household. That's why I want to say I kind of moved in just to get him in custody um, because I knew for sure he had a warrant and people weren't leaving the house. They were coming towards the back room there where we were. So I'm like, yeah, no, something, I'm not about to be fighting in between y'all. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, but it's definitely something to look at for purposes and stuff like that. You know, like, what's the best option? There is no best option. You got a good option, you got a better option, and you got to, like, pick one, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 sit and stick with it, you know? So looking back on it, yeah, I, I probably did the same thing, like, how it, how it worked. I would have put more force into when I, you know, put him out, proned him out instead of, you know, like giving him the benefit of the doubt that he was going to prone out. I would have actually helped him prone out, you know? Um, now this guy, you, this was a person on a regular caseload or what? This person. Yes. He was on a regular caseload. <laughs> he was on, he was, he scored a low on a, on, on a risk assessment. Nah. He scored that's, a low? How that, that's how you know that risk assessment is phony. It don't work for everybody. For everybody, like the, the the stats they pull out with the wrist, I'm like, all right, so, sure, some of them, but a lot of our low risk people are our most dangerous people. Yeah. Like, um, and you will because they've been flying so far to the radar so long. Like when you come in, like, oh, I gotta, I need a urine, or I, you gotta get, I'm locking you up. What? Like, hold on, I'm low risk. You can't do that. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like it's, it's it's you see that more than often. Like, low risk end up being a bigger problem than the high risk like and we can't say that because oh the, the risk assessment oh it's a tool it's great you know there's been studies done but i'm talking about in actual practice this is what we see this is this is what's going on the low risk people are hiding the most stuff and then when they you actually decide because you're low risk you don't see a low risk that much right. so up on your low risk they're like oh like what you doing here <laughs> you know, it's, it's a hey, you on probation? What you mean? Why I'm doing <laughs> like, here? Hello, you ain't supposed to be here. What, you, what do you mean? Y'all don't come out to check. I'm on low risk. I know what you on. That just mean I don't make as many contacts with you. I know what I know what you on. So now show me your room, and you walk into whatever you know a shit show for lack of a better word. Like you know, um, when you started in this profession, did you know that the job would? until such tactical stuff not at all okay like you see somebody carrying a gun like a police officer carrying a gun but you never know the training and all that stuff to carry that gun um and like in pa i know for sure like in our department we train more than like the average police officer um like far as firearms and dt and stuff like that we don't just do once a year quals and all that stuff like that. We go multiple times a year just to make sure we are up on our stuff because that stuff, you, you can't sacrifice that stuff. And like, especially in the field, like you got to know what you're doing. You can't just try to bear hug somebody and I like, wish your next course of action. What are you going to do? How are you going to get them into uh, a secure person? Like, are you gonna, how are you going to, you know, cuff them up? You can't just let them go now. Like you got them, you got them holding. So it's like, it turned out to be like, oh, uh, yeah, you get to carry a gun, you, you know, knock on people's doors and all. To like, this is something serious. It's, you got to really have tactics actually play a role when you pull up to somebody's house, enter in somebody's house. How do you walk down the hallway? Which door you knock on? Like, it's a whole ambit of things that play into a factor, like, that most people wouldn't even like to 
average citizen wouldn't even understand, like, you know, for like pointing, like covering contact. Most people don't even like, why are you looking behind me? Because he's watching my back. He's making sure nobody comes walking up the street that just want to put their two cents and everything, you know, because you have those people too. You might be mm-hmm. or third parties. Third parties are like, listen, you don't have no, nothing invested in here. Why are you here? You're just creating a diversion for. Nah, that's my boy, man. That's my boy. It's tricking my cousin. You that's my cousin. You don't even know his name. Like, talk about that's your boy. Oh, man, everybody, everybody in Philly cousins. I don't know. I don't know how they they work in West Virginia because everybody in Philly cousins. Every listen, I seen them around the way. Y'all can't be doing that. And it's like you know, you always got to have your head on the swivel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a cliche term, but literally, that's like when I'm out there, I'm just like, all right. You know, even leaving the house, like getting in the car, get up out of there, do your notes down the road. You know, don't sit. Oh in my god. It's a lot that goes into it. Like most people, like, uh, what? Like, so when you doing so much, you know, out there, how is the pay rate in comparison to police officers? So when it was when I was in Columbia County, the pay rate out there was actually, I'm gonna say maybe five grand less than a police officer, uh, but you made up for it overtime. So it was kind of like even. Um, in the city, same way, it's, it's even. Um, they start out, we all both start out the same. They get overtime, which pushes them way up. We don't get overtime. Um, so in central PA, it was, it was even, I mean, so you actually get, you, you're like, okay, I'm not, cause I'm looking at some places, like some places in PA, I think it was like, well, I knew somebody that worked in like Butler County or something and they were getting paid like $30,000. I'm like, Oh, that sounds like Florida. <laughs> I said, you carry a gun? <laughs> like and go in people's houses i'm like I, what like I, I couldn't do it like you know that's not it's just like you know and like po's po's don't make like you look around the country like it's a lot of places that do not pay po's well like they might get 40 you know even like you can't even get 45 like come on like <laughs> This is this for the is, amount of work that you have to do. It's just then like it's a lot of paperwork that come along with our job. Oh, might be, that, yeah. Like oh, police officers are like, oh, we got paperwork. No, 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 no. We got paperwork. Like you see my case files. I gotta carry to court. That's paperwork. I tracked this, you know, from inception. I, like I had pre-trial, and he came. Then he came to probation. Now he completing. Like this is everything right here. Like you know, and I know with juvenile, even juvenile, that's a whole bunch of paperwork. Like. <laughs> Paperwork after paperwork, so you might that, what this one percent we talking about, like actually in the field and making sure you tactically sound. But it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of, you know, case management. Like that, I feel like we should get paid more. Like <laughs> bottom line, <laughs> although we always talk about you don't do it for the money for sure. You're not going to do it for this. the money. Like <laughs> that's exactly like people in that probation officers. And I can say this about the people in the city now. You really got to have a passion to be a probation officer. You really yeah. got to do it um, because, like, you don't even think about the pay. Like, it's just like, all right, the pay is good, but it could be better. But I ain't really sweating it because I'm helping people. Like, I'm even if you get that one person, like they say, you might get that one person that you've been trying. You've been getting your all to, and they finally come through, and they do what they, they complete. And you're like, yes. But your case, the rest of your caseload, they just doing whatever they want. But you got <laughs> one person that give you that, that satisfaction. Like, yes, I done helped one person. But you got 
other 40 people that's in shambles and you know so you know and then we get overlooked and like i'm telling like in our field we get overlooked like i mean they don't people really don't understand like i said people don't understand what we do like you know if they understood what we did you know they maybe have a little bit more you know understanding like okay like you know give them some more resources like you ain't gotta pay us no more i mean but like you know Bump social services up so they can help us help you know help these. Oh people. right, right, yeah. Social services. I, I don't know about the rest of the country, but in the city, it's not too good. Like, so I can't mm-hmm. even refer my, I can't refer my offender to nothing because I'm gonna refer them. They're gonna kick them back, and it's it's not a it's really a strain on like what you can do. Like, so that is so aggravating. Oh, like, we're supposed to work together for the greater good here. Like, if we all in the the, the helping profession, you know, public service. Everybody should be on one accord. Like, come on, if this guy need help, we should be able to send him there. And y'all worry about the payment and all that stuff later. Like, figure it out. Like, don't like, oh no, they knock people back. Oh, he don't have insurance, or he can't. Like, okay, half the people don't. That's on probation. Like, you know, that's what led them to get here anyway to, to commit the crime that they did because they need the money. Like, but. You know, that's a part of the reason why a lot of people feel like probation is just all about the money or probation is set up or whatever, because they don't feel like they're getting the help that they need. And some people really genuinely need the help and want the help. Yes. When somebody wants the help and you can't give them the help, it's like you take it personal. You're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm not supposed to take it personal, but you really take it and you really like I have some POs in like uh, my office that go above and beyond like i mean it's like you ever see those those school teachers that you know they here's the curriculum but they actually go above and beyond and start you know doing things outside of work and trying to you know get them the community service thing going just to keep them busy because probation is not giving them enough stuff to do and it's like you know that's what you have to do and that's when you know you're really invested like what i do what i do anything else probably not <laughs> uh probably not it's like i'm 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 here like i'm here for the long haul so it's like i'm getting my master's and i'm like i my supervisor's like you think you're gonna leave i'm like probably not <laughs> so what is your plan for the master's what was your i guess your motivation behind pursuing your master's degree um one i got out of school and after being in school for so long you just feel like i need something i'm not supposed to turn something in like something's not due so I got bored. I'm like, all right, I need to go back to school and I'm going to do something that I'm interested in. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back. And then the two, like for promotional purposes, it's always good to have that extra, you know, experience as well as the education because that's the full package there. You know, you can, you know, it's a lot of people that just stop at bachelor's. That's fine. They're great at their job and they got the experience. But when it comes time to look for promotions and more money, um, I got the degree and I got the experience together now i'm here like you know um and it's it's criminal justice field is interesting so that's that's the one thing like it's it's not really it is school work but it's not really school work because like you know this is what you do every day so it's kind of like it's your passion it's not really i'm doing it for work and i'm studying it so it's not on a more on a more personal note do you have a family like kids wife whatever no kids so you have time (laughs) Have time. <laughs> okay. I was just like, hmm, I don't have nothing to turn in right now. And I was like, you know, it's time. let me go back to school. You know, like. With all the, this experience you have, how old are you? 26. 
I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> okay. Why do I feel like he's like the youngest one that we've interviewed, Chris? <laughs> you might be. Hmm. Yeah, he's, he's definitely there. But I mean, he started really early, especially with um, working in the, pr- the prisons while he was in school. So, I mean, he started pretty early. But like we were saying, it doesn't really matter what kind of experience you bring into it. You know, as long as you have the passion for the job, that's what the important part. Experience from the kicks and experience just helps you, like, you know, not talk to you. Um, experience like, helps with promotions. Is That's what Mike is saying. Like, yeah. to get started entry level, okay, yeah, you might not need experience. Might, like, just job experience and work there. But like, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking when it comes down to, like, you know, being able to talk to people. Interpersonal communication. When you're in a jail, you have no firearm. It's just you... How you talking to somebody and like it, that's it, you know? It's, you gotta talk to people and reason with people. And like, listen, this is not, and be able to come to an agreement with somebody who is in jail. At the end of the day, um, you're in jail too with them. You have no weapon. You can't just pull your gun out and taser out and all that stuff like that. That's why I was talking to one of my uh, buddies and like he's a cop and he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't work in the prison. I'm like, yeah, most of the cops can't because they automatically go to the tools on their belt and think they're like, they're inferior to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm the authority. Like you're going to do what I say. No, 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 no. Come on a level of respect first and treat them as a human being first. And then you go, you know, so that's like the difference between us kind of and <laughs> police officers. Yeah got that kind of you know we can we can talk to people not saying that they can talk to people but we don't look at them we look at them like humans at first at first like kind of like you know hey like we're here to help you versus you know we're investigating a crime that just happened like we're here to help you help you succeed and we're like we're your support system if you didn't have a support system like and that's what that's the that's the kind of the difference between the two. Like, and most people were like, yeah, cops like, nah, I can't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I, how do you, I couldn't do a PR. I couldn't do this. I bet you couldn't. Like, it's <laughs> not for everybody. <laughs> like, you this know, true. you know, and it gives me my little my my law enforcement side and then my social worker side. You know, I'm like a split. You know, I'm split. Like, if I want to be, you know, tactical Mike or you know, kicking in doors all the time and this and that. That's fine, but I also can be like, all right, I can have my soft. That's fine. <laughs> I can have my soft side, but like, all right, now that I knocked your door down, you are gonna come in and you are gonna figure something out, and they be like, all right, like, cool. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 like it's like I said, it's a passion. It's just something that you that you got it or you don't. I mean, some people get to it, but like, yeah, that's not for me. Some Chris, people- do you have any? Uh, sorry, Mike. Chris, no. do you have any um, questions that we're about to? lead into to wrap it up um no i was actually i was just, just about to ask you um where we were on t- in terms of time what's it the recording like an hour and 15 minutes okay um so i guess we would start we'll start moving towards that then uh mike um do you have any questions for me and Brittany? um this ain't about us why you always ask them that <laughs> It's, it's the it's the lead out it's the close out question. I don't like that. I don't like that. Oh I don't want nobody ask me questions. I want to ask the question. <laughs> I, 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 well, that's one of my questions, though. Let me ask my question the way I want to ask my question. 
Fine. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so you just made more, more work for yourself. Then I got to edit all that out. You could just let me rock my question out, though. You know what? I'm gonna teach you how to edit because I'm tired of having to do this every week. You need to be taking on some. You do a editing. fantastic job at it, man. Listen, I was struggling. <laughs> but no, no. Yeah, so Mike, do you have any? Do you have any questions for me and Brittany? No, 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 no questions. Thank you, Mike. No, I listen to the five. So head come out. <laughs> Mike, you're all right with me. You're all right. <laughs> Uh, I am interested, Mike. What kind of uh, equipment are you guys issued out there in Philly? So we have um, standard issue Glock 17, um, light bearing holsters. Um, we use Safari Land ALS um, outer carrier with the mild weapon, um, tourniquets, IFAC. What else do we have on there? Uh, we have two different vests. We can have the outer carrier, or we can have the conceal, the concealable, the uh, vest. And vehicles, we whatever vehicles available that day. Um, in Columbia County, we used to have take-home vehicles, which was that was a perk of the job. Um, but I no longer have that perk. <laughs> um, other than that, like I mean, Columbia County, we had rifles as well too. So like that. Picture, yes, that you've seen. I was in Columbia County. We were actually issued rifles, or we can qualify with your personal rifle because you're in the middle of nowhere in central PA. It's to take a while for somebody to get to you, you know. So that that was one of the issue um, equipment. In Philly, we do not. No, Philly, we don't have a long gun policy. Hope to get one soon. Um, but we do not have one as of yet. Um, but yeah, that's as far as equipment. That's all we all we are issued. Do you guys um, work at all with state parole? No. Um, in Pennsylvania, state parole uh, is hard to get in contact with. I'm going to just say that. <laughs> um, we have mutual interests, but yeah, I just we don't really do too much with state parole. I mean, um, they are there. We can, yeah, I can't even say we, yeah, we really don't work with them. <laughs> um, That's crazy because I, I mean, working on Westmoreland County, we had a lot of um, a lot of interaction with state parole. We actually had a sub office where state parole actually rented like two or two desks in our in the sub office that we had, so we saw them a lot and we worked a lot with them. Um, you know, I think I had, I had a situation where I think um, let me tell you this quick. Let me tell a quick story, Brittany, if you got time. Real quick story, uh, working with state parole. So we had a uh, we have these quarterly meetings called criminal tundras meetings where we'd have officers, um, this, the local PD, state parole, state troopers, all the local departments, and probation parole would get together and we talk about like who's wanted. And you'd be surprised because, you know, you'd be like, oh, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. Oh, X, Y, Z. He's um, he's over. He's dating my girl. She lives here, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of like, you know, talked about and try to find out where people were. So one of the meetings they had said uh, State Pro was looking for this guy. And he had like a really weird, unique name. Like I still can't remember because it, it was just so weird. So I, uh, I think a couple days later, I went to go check on one of my guys, one of my uh, juveniles. 
And uh, he opened the door, and me and him were talking. I asked him who's home. He's like, oh, yeah, my mom's home with her boyfriend. I was like, oh, well, what's the boyfriend's name? He said it. I was like, that's a really weird name. So I didn't really think too much of it, blah, blah, blah. I get back to the car, and it clicks. I'm like, that name sounds real familiar. So I call a state parole agent that we work with. I'm like, hey, do you know this name? She's like, yeah, that's my guy I'm looking for. We was talking about him in a meeting. I was like, well, he's here at my, uh, my kid's house right now, my, my kid's mom. She's like, I'm on the way. So she pulls up, and this particular day, there was a shooting in the city, so all the cops were tied up. So they couldn't come and help us make the arrest because she was looking for him. So she's like, hey, can you help me make this arrest? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm here. Why not? So knock on the door. The kid opens the door. We're like, hey, where's such and such? Oh, they're upstairs. We go upstairs. We make contact with the mom in the hallway, and um, we're like, hey, we're looking for such and such. And she's like, oh, he's in the bathroom. Um so the state parole agent, she's a female. She posts up on the side of the door to the bathroom, right? And she tells me, open the door. I'm like, all right, all right, okay. Open the bathroom door. Dude's in there taking a number two. I'm like, she's like, can you see his hands? I'm like, yeah, I see his hands. He's sitting in the bathroom on the toilet playing on his phone. I mean, that's normal. That's what you do. You play on your phone when you're on the toilet, right? So I'm like, I'm like, give my that's man all <laughs> I mean, who don't do it though? I so, don't do it. Lies, You can give me a lot of detector tests. I don't do that. Uh huh. Anyway, <laughs> back to my story. So, so she's standing there. She's like, "You're under arrest. Don't move." Mind you, she's standing to the side. She can't even see, dude. I'm the only one who sees him sitting on the toilet, taking a number two, smelling it. Right. So I'm like, "Yo, my man." Um. You know, can you can you hurry up? Cause we we I, we gotta go. We gotta go, <laughs> man. This dude took his time. I had to sit there and watch a grown man wipe himself. So I gotta keep. You know, he's technically he's in custody at this point. So I gotta keep eyes on him, man. Dude started coming out of the bathroom. I'm like, yo, you're not gonna you're not gonna wash your hands. Like, he's like, oh yeah yeah yeah. I guess so. So he washes hands. Come out. Let's come out the bathroom. Handcuff him. Take him downstairs. Try to call PD to come. PD is still tied up. She's like, well, can you transport him in your car? Because I guess their policy was because she's a female that she can't transport him because she didn't have a cage in her car. Yeah. So I'm, like, oh, I'm like, yo, you are asking a lot of a juvenile officer right now. Typical. Right. I'm like, I'm not even sure if I'm even covered on a policy right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but y'all help us so much. I can't say I can't really say no. Right. So I ended up transporting him, get him to the jail, get him booked in. Um, everything happened without incident, but I was like, that's something I will never forget. Like, that's the only time I had to sit there and watch a grown man take a number two and wipe himself just to make sure that he don't get away. Probably the first time. It won't be the last. Uh, hopefully. To... Hopefully it's the last. Jeez. But, um, we had a yeah, but we, we did work a lot with state parole, so I'm actually surprised that y'all didn't really have the interaction. Y'all. We gotta wrap this up. I'm hungry. My stomach is okay. talking to me. Like, come on now. Like, wrap it up. Wrap it up. But you um, know, answering yeah, the questions, we do work with state pro. We got a fusion center. Um, I forgot all about the fusion center we have, where it's all the law enforcement in one spot. They talk to state parole, federal parole, other county paroles, as well as police departments and all that stuff like that. So um, that's one thing we do. So we get all state intel from there and. Um, that's how we were. That's how I'm about to say because I personally I don't work with them in Philly, but we fund all our stuff through our liaison 
uh, officer um, and goes right through the, the fusion center. So that's how we get when because when you said round table, you had the meeting. I'm like, oh, they do this all day. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah. interesting. I can't do safe world because I picked up one of their guys before and I had to wait for their warrant to come down or detainer and it took two hours. And I was like, you know, never again. <laughs> don't ask me for help. Don't ask me to transport. That's when you said transport. I was like, woof. I'm not transporting nuke. I don't, y'all don't got no cage. I don't care. How do y'all do it any other time? <laughs> like <laughs> that's where I'm at with it. Like, but yeah, you know, let's wrap it up so Brittany can. Uh, <laughs> I can get some food. Right. All right. Well, we're definitely gonna probably have to get Mike back on for a part two. Because um, definitely, I feel like I still have so many more questions. Yeah, we I didn't definitely want to definitely want to hear more about how things are in Columbia County. Yeah, um, we didn't but definitely get you on for a part two, man. Definitely. Just let me know. All right. All right. Two, uh, thanks, Mike. I'm going um, to call you when I come to Philly. Call me. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, thank you so much for uh, being a family member in the Two, Hot, Two Hats podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. I keep messing it up. Hold on. I'll try that again. Try that again. I don't know why I can't say Two Hats podcast. I got to slow it down. I'm trying to say Two Hats. <laughs> All right. Mike, thank you so much for being a family member on the Two Hats podcast. Uh, we'll definitely get you on for another episode. Um, definitely learned a lot today about the anti-violence unit that you guys have out there. Um, definitely about how the way things you guys do things in Philly. And we definitely appreciate your time, man. No doubt. I'll be back. Can't wait to come back next time. Well, thank you, Mike. Again, I want to thank Mike for joining us today on our episode number 12. It was a very interesting conversation. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Yes, yes. We need we need we need to we need to get him back for some more cuz I feel like I have still have so many questions. Yeah, he has a wealth of knowledge and for him to be only 26 years old and has that much experience, I mean, wow. I was just kind of floored. That's amazing. So make sure you guys check us out every Wednesday we upload new episodes and please follow us on the Two Hats podcast Instagram page. And we are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as Anchor. Also, if you're following us on the Instagram page, we do have a giveaway for a probation patch. So just um, click on that post, follow the instructions, and uh, may the odds be in your favor.